0: Hello, everybody. I am back from our little hiatus, and I am here with one of my very best friends in the world. This is Cameron Abaroa, and we've been friends for 10 years now. Yeah, 10 years officially. 10 years ago, oh. we were students at BYU-Hawaii, and we just liked telling jokes and having fun, and those jokes... Became projects, became entire, you know, experiences that we had that now affect our careers today. Yeah. So before we get into those
1: origin stories, who are you, Cameron Abaroa? What's your story? Yeah, I am Cameron and I am a whole plethora of things. But my biggest thing is that I am a full-time teacher. I teach theater, choir, stagecraft. I do a lot of different things while while I'm working for my school that I'm at. I do a lot of different projects. I am also a dice maker. I make a, a whole plethora of RPG dice, including D6s, D20s, the whole, the whole gamut. And I'm just kind of a nerd who is really obsessed with storytelling. <laughs> and it's all thanks to this guy. Right oh, there. no, you were a nerd
0: before I met you. You were a nerd before it's I met true. It's true. you. When I started a, a comedy improv club in college, you were one of the very first people we recruited. You were just wandering around campus looking at the different club signs. Yeah, I remember we got that you.
1: moment. Exactly. I am walking through the student union. I had met you briefly in the cafeteria of the university the day mm-hmm. before. And you are like, you, I all, know
0: you. That's where all freshmen and sophomores meet. And is that a it's
1: very true. Very true. And you see me in the student union, you like yell my name. And I walk over and you're like, yeah, we're doing improv. And without missing a beat, I signed up. I'm a theater kid. I'm a theater kid. And I, the university that we had didn't have a lot of theater. So they were, I was like an improv troupe. Yeah, I'm in sign me up. Here we go. And here we are now.
0: Here we are now. Ten years later, I loved teaching improv, being part of improv things. I loved having you on stage. you're always one of our strongest performers, but also someone who worked really well with your scene partners it helped them look awesome too it was so great oh, having you. you every time we were on stage I'm like this is this is And so we I... taught we taught improv together we had to learn yes, it we did we had to yeah. teach it we
1: had to get better at it uh um, it was this weird kind of chain of events and we taught improv for our entire time there and Yeah, I can say that teaching improv in that troupe is why I'm actually teaching theater today. It started this journey where I'm now a full-time teacher. Awesome. Living the dream. Living the dream, man. Now, there is a a
0: dark side to our improv history. And that dark side is Dungeons. (laughs) (laughs) Because because I was a big D&D fan. And I tried teaching... My improv friends, how to play D&D. And when it first started, it did not go well.
1: <laughs> Why yeah, didn't me. it
0: go well, Cameron?
1: <laughs> oh, we were, it was 2014 and you were like, hey, my improv friends, I know you're all nerds at heart. Do you want to play this game called Dungeons and Dragons? I, who was a theater kid, but not really much of anything else was like, this is cool. What is it? And we'd played a session of 3.5. And with 3.5 did not quite match our group's sensibilities. Our our But I gave you spreadsheets.
0: I gave you spreadsheets for everything.
1: Listen, I'm a creative. Me and math do not get along. (laughs) Oh, there
0: was so much math in it. There was so much math.
1: (laughs) It was it was wild. But then It was right around that time that a certain new edition came out.
0: Yes. Fifth edition came out that summer and we, we were playing like part of the, the, what's the word for the playtest stuff. And we, before the books were even out, we were playing things as they were being released to the public and fifth edition had such a, a shift in how, in how it was run, focusing less on the math and the mechanics and more on the storytelling. And how did that change our group?
1: I mean, immediately you had a group of improv artists, storytellers who didn't really latch on as much to the math, the complex spell systems that was in 3.5, but really the more loose, I guess loose rules of five really allowed for that greater storytelling. And so we all jumped in and immediately fell in love that first Mm -hmm. or those first few sessions that we played. It was, it was night and day, just the atmosphere and the party in the room. And you know, it, it started off, uh, started me off on a 10 years journey with, Dungeons and Dragons. I'm still playing to this day. I'm still a huge nerd for D and D and that fifth edition really started that. Yeah. Every time I, I run a game with new
0: players, I talk about those early sessions, how I got my improv friends into D and D and they were terrible at it. Right. Couldn't remember the yep. rules or the mechanics. Yep. Then we focused more on the story. And it was fundamental in shaping my style as a DM as well, because I was with other performers. We wanted to build on each other's ideas. It was no longer me setting out a world and have, forcing other people to
1: solve problems. It was more of a collaborative process. It really was, especially that first world, that first world that we played in was almost it was semi homebrew. It was like Sword Coast, but our version. And so you kind yeah. of allowed each of us to kind of build our own section of the world, where oh, our character is coming, coming from. We can talk about the pages of backstory I created <laughs> for that first character. Uh, yes. But so, so here, here's the design
0: yeah. philosophy behind it. We slapped down a map of the Sword Coast, and yep, got realms. And none of us knew anything about it. Absolutely nothing. No, I was still pretty new to D&D. So I didn't know any of the lore. I didn't know any of the history. None of us did. So I slapped on the map. I'm like, all right, everybody. Point to where you're from. And we all pointed to some place on the map that we thought would yep. fit our character. i like, okay, you're in charge of coming up with what that culture is like and what it's like there. And so some people were, you know, more simplistic and you know, were going with other classical fantasy things you pointed to the high forest and knowing nothing i did knowing nothing about the forgotten realms you're like i am going to write the political intrigue and the governmental system of high forest and you did you did did. i did um all
1: to end up playing a very angsty spy yep and then when he died you brought in someone else from the alien from that's what we call it yep it uh, first few characters were all branches from that, but it was this interesting thing because we all had the opportunity to invent this part of the world and it really did become this huge collaborative effort. And we had barely played like two or three sessions, but building that world together and then to get to play in it with you, obviously, as our guide and kind of the overarching like caretaker of that world was is so incredible because we got to really dive in and get messy with our characters' backstories. We didn't we used the Sword Coast and the Forgotten Realms as kind of a jumping off point and then we all went wild with it. <laughs> we went deep. Yeah.
0: At that point, we had so many people wanting to join. And this was before D&D mm-hmm. school, right? It was 2014, yeah. but people were still trying to get in. We had to split into two groups. Yeah. Uh, and so our friend uh, Trevor, Trevor, if you're listening, you're awesome. Um, He would run a group on Saturdays. And I think I would run the group on Sundays or vice versa. So I got to be a player. I got to be a player. Uh, And that was awesome. But yeah. And eventually some people left after that semester because they graduated or transferred schools. So we combined it to one party again. But we had, even though the group was changing and shifting, there was still like this through line behind it all of this We were running Tyranny of Dragons. And if anyone's read Tyranny of Dragons, you know that it's a hot mess. Absolute hot mess. It's wild. But so we had to make it our own. We had to cut things out. We had to streamline it. And we started with Lost Minds of Fandelber, which is the perfect opportunity for a new DM to learn. I learned so
1: much from Lost Mind. It was, I got to be a front row audience member to watching you develop your play style and your DM style. And
0: pretty darn awesome it was it was oh man so many feelings right now so many feelings Nostalgia. Yeah, back then we were thinking oh D's great wouldn't it be great if we all had you know fancy high paying jobs someday and we could just play D on the weekends So did we know that these extracurricular activities that we were doing in between classes and on weekends were going to define
1: our careers in the future yeah very much so yeah i i I mean, neither of our degrees that we ended up getting really pull into what we do now. In the oh, mine does. Light. Mine, mine does as well, but it's not, you know, I didn't go to school to become a theater teacher. You didn't go to school to become a professional dungeon master. Sure. But the skills that we learned in these, I was uh, communications and I had done essentially what our school's equivalent of a theater minor was. And we had done that and it all gets pulled in as the skill sets that we've built that then allow us to then take these passions that we had and build careers out of them. And Dax will try and psychoanalyze our characters from time <laughs> no, to time. No, I wouldn't psychoanalyze them. I wasn't a Freudian. It's
0: more of a behaviorist. Speaking of behavioral psychology, do you remember this?
1: So uh, those of you listening, Anyone not watching, is, yeah. yeah. I, my heart is starting to pound because this is the first dice that he, he uses a DM. It's a gold shiny dice. It was the happy dice. If he rolled that dice, it meant good things were coming. There this was also is another like 50 dice. cents. This is worth about 50 yeah. cents. It's just gold but glitter. Priceless. The memories we made with that dice are priceless. Now, Conversely, before you describe a, what's coming next, yeah. you.
0: I just want to see what happens to your face.
1: Mm -hmm, mm mm-hmm yep (laughs) i'm still having a full reaction to that and that what he's showing to anyone listening out there is a bright red d20 and that was the let's see how it goes dice the hey are you actually gonna die now dice it was the essentially the dark dice the bad dice yeah whereas the gold shiny one was like oh he's rolling that one we did something amazing oh he's rolling the red one oh, we all going to die.
0: And I never told the party what the different dice meant. But I started, they started noticing habits. They started noticing when things were getting more dangerous, when their characters were more precariously close to the edge of death, the red dice would come out to the point where people would go quiet when I switched dice. People would be talking and laughing, eating pizza. I had the gold dice, out, switched the red dice, instant
1: change. An immediate change (laughs) in... In the atmosphere in the room.
0: Because we knew something
1: bad was about to happen.
0: I loved being a psychology major so
1: much. It it was the equivalent of when you walk into a room in a video game and the music changes, but you don't know why. But you're now scared because it's always that like enemy music, but you don't see the enemy yet. (laughs) Cameron was there. He can attest. These stories
0: I tell are all true. They are. What are other things we discovered while playing D&D cuz we were figuring things out,
1: right? It really new. was. It was I was very uh, new. All of us were new. You were introducing us to D&D. But we really, I think through that process of just discovery, we didn't have anyone gatekeeping us, so we could just make mistakes, get messy, all the misfrizzle stuff. Yeah. And we I think we all developed our own our own playstyle. You developed your DM style. And I think by the, the end of our time in college, we had built a very cohesive group that was telling stories that just were emotional and life-changing. I distinctly remember our last game in college, at least while I was in college, because I had graduated uh, a few semesters before you did. Was that the Uh, end of the Tiamat arc? It was the end of the Tiamat arc. and it was a very emotional experience for every single person in the room because we had built this, we had not only built this world, but we had built to our own individual playstyles. We knew how everyone else operated. So we were flowing really well as a, as a player team, as well as a team of adventurers in the game. And so it was this really incredibly powerful session and then it was over and it was our last session for a lot of us and it was really emotional because we had built this like very we we knew how each person was gonna play and so we knew when to step forward and be like okay this is my character's time to take the spotlight okay now it's not we didn't even have to say it we knew it because we had built these relationships with each other for so long i
0: remember your character was the cleric josias was that his name yes wow okay I Where remember, I took notes, but I remember your big thing was trying to redeem rules who would fall. Yeah, um, it was. There was a villain that I had introduced that was actually my character. When a I was twist playing. villain. Yeah, it was yes. wild. He came in as a villain in the, in the final act and everyone was terrified of him because he was the paladin and you don't mess with paladins. In 2014, 2015, they were they were the broken ones. But you focus so much on finding a way to redeem him, finding a way to give him peace. And that completely changed the nature of the battle. It was no longer mm-hmm. just, hey, we're going to hit Tiamat until she dies. It was, hey, there are these structures that are in place that are empowering her. And there are people who have been led astray by these lies. How do we break down those chains and those lies so that the, the structure falls out from it? Yeah. And you did so well, so oh, well, like making that, that emotional. Even <laughs> when there were failed roles, you played into those, those stumbles and you kept failing forward and, you know, rising over that frustration. So that when the final, what was the final
1: role you had to make? It was a persuasion check. It was a persuasion check to persuade your character, this PC character who had turned secondary BBEG to Tiamat. And I, I can't remember what the exact number was, but it was like one above the DC. It was just enough yeah, to change it. You had told us the DC and it was, and so it changed the whole nature of that fight. But turned them
0: back to your side for one final ride against her.
1: Yeah, it was, it was powerful because we were all in this together. There was about six of us in that final, I believe six in that final Mm. session and it, You know, it's these moments where like a roll of a dice has six people just sobbing. It's the power of D&D. It's the power of this game that we've all grown to love, where these things can just turn on a dime and you have these deep emotional reactions. But yes, I got one above the DC. He turned good and we won the day and it was great. Yeah. And after we won the day, we,
0: I remember... We were kicked out of the building we were in because it was yes. late. we had gotten it went so long. long. Of course, it does. And so we, we were s- just standing around in a circle in the dark, in the just dark. on campus, yeah. telling about the epilogue, like what happens to our characters afterwards. And at that point, I wasn't. Sure. I was no longer in control. I I gave control over to the players. Like, hey, what happens? What is your happily ever
1: after? Yeah, and we kept going for another hour and a half, just yeah. sobbing, telling the ending of our character stories, but it, you know, it's this, it's just this amazing thing. Like D and D is, it can be such an emotional and powerful experience when you've built that camaraderie
0: as a group. And we were actually saying goodbye to some of those players because we yeah, were graduating three of us were graduating. Mm-hmm. I had to teach new people how to play D&D the next semester which came with its own joys and challenges. Yeah. But uh yeah, yeah it was it was hard out. to say goodbye to everybody and like the best goodbye I could have given them was let's do an awesome session where you get to heroes and <laughs> you to find your own ha- happily ever acting. Yep. And it was
1: it was a great graduation gift to go out on.
0: <laughs> um after that, once you graduated and I graduated a little later, we missed this thing. We missed playing D&D. But we had yeah. discovered Roll20 before it was. Yep. We discovered <laughs> Roll20 and I taught myself how to do Roll20. And I remember I like, had to beg our friends for like, hey, if everyone pitches in $5, I can, I can buy the book. Um, most of us were
1: in, puppy. And to anyone listening, most of us were in grad school, so money was not a thing.: They were yeah. so poor, even in undergrad we, we were all so very poor
0: yeah almost all like school, yeah. I spent 20 dollars on a pound of dice, and I just like handed them out to people. This mm-hmm. is all we have. <laughs> we got like a piece of glass and we drew on it. Yeah, to make maps. yeah, yeah. Uh, we didn't even we, we had no battle so, maps
1: we. It was a lot of theater of the mind, which was, mm-hmm. you know, we printed amazing. out the
0: basic rules that were available. And yeah, uh,
1: yeah, I think we all used up our library printing allowance yeah, on that. We but did, we, did. we had
0: one player's handbook, one player's handbook, and that was, and we handbook. shared
1: it. We would read it and then
0: pass it on to the next one, and we'd read it. And it was, yeah, and then we passed it to someone else, and they wouldn't read it. <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of- it it oh we were so poor but yeah oh we loved it but after college we wanted to connect while we were in grad school and so we started playing digitally online we weren't able to get the whole group together because life and families but we had a few one shots and we eventually did a storm king's thunder campaign and i got to teach myself roll 20 as as part of that just as a way to connect with friends and this was you know before 2020 this was the before yeah this was 2016 I want to say 2016, 2016 is when I graduated right so there. yeah like yeah. 17 18 maybe 19 mm-hmm. we were playing and I got my bachelor's in psychology started an MBA program and in the back of my head I was thinking you know how could I do this professionally I would met some people who were professional GMs and I had come to you first you I remember Ted and Peter and Trevor and I'm like how could I make this work as, as a business? And I bounced some ideas off
1: of you. Few of them came to fruition, most of them didn't. Mm-hmm. And then I remember getting a getting a Facebook message in February of 2020 saying, Hey, I think I want to start a, a company. I what do you think? You know, we'd thrown around a few names. You had explained kind of your business model. I was like, that's awesome. That's really cool. And eventually you were like, I think I'm going to call it Dungeon Master Direct. And I was like, that's awesome. You know, let me know, you know, what I can do. That's great. Then, you know, 2020 happens. Yes. Oh, man. And we're all online. We're all at home. Get another Facebook message. Hey, do you want to play? And I am in. Yes, so you are. have to use those
0: digital tools. <laughs> ha
1: ha. Ladies and gentlemen, that was called foreshadowing what we did earlier.
0: Yes, (laughs) foreshadowing, divine intervention, Chekhov's gun, Chekhov's D 20, whatever you want to call it.
1: (laughs) And so you built this entire business and, and company around, around playing D and D. And I got to be, you know, a front row audience member to I I, way back. I got to see you develop your D and D style and now. I get to be a front row audience member to building the DMD brand and these incredible events that you've been doing, going to Dragonsteel, hosting the honey heist, the world record. So it's been awesome kind of watching you go from the small group in college improv. You founded this little group. We all were a part of it and then moving into D and D and now here we all are. Here we all are. I've done, yeah,
0: lots of people all over the world, but I will say it was such a blessing having you in those early pro games that I was Thank running you. Because, because I knew you and you knew me and you knew how to bounce ideas off of me and I knew how to take your ideas and make them grow. And that gave me a lot of confidence to do it and teach other players how to do it as well. One of our players is now a DM. You were just telling me,
1: about yeah. That. Yeah, well, we played together on a dungeon master direct campaign. It was the storm King's thunder slash wild mount, which was. Slash tyranny amazing. of dragons. We slash, must slash tyranny of together. dragons slash. It was, it was wild, but a player from that ended up approaching me after we had finished the campaign and said, Hey, I found this new TTRPG that I think you would love and that TTRPG is Victoriana it's by cubicle games. It's if you're a history nerd. Go play it right now because it's amazing. And we've been playing that campaign with that system. We are coming up on two years this month. So, you know, Dungeon Master Direct, changing lives.
0: Yeah, I've got lineage of DMs who have learned from me. And I love seeing that. It makes me so happy. So yeah,
1: it's been great. The connections that, you know, we make through Dungeon Master Direct. The parties that you form, like, yeah, we we're all paying to be there, but we also then. Be- I think that whole group from that became really good friends. We we're all mm-hmm. we're now Facebook friends, and we still talk. <laughs> that's when you know it's
0: serious.
1: That's when you know, right? We're also old, so it's Facebook for us. So we're elder millennials.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> yeah, so it's um, been this wild and crazy ride. Over but enough, of about- course. Uh-huh. Enough about,
0: I want to hear about you because you went in a different direction after, after. I COVID.
1: did. Yeah.
0: And you're, you're living the dream. You're teaching theater. You, yeah. Out of,
1: we were all theater kids from that yes. improv group, but you were the theateriest of them all. I was. My motto in college was, I can't, I have rehearsal. I. Or d d Or D&D. And sometimes <laughs> I would miss D&D for rehearsal, which was a very sad part of my life. But yeah, so theater, I was, like I said, I was kind of the BYU-Hawaii equivalent of a theater minor. The way they did their degree system is a little strange, so it's hard to kind of explain. Functionally, I was getting a theater minor, but I was doing a bunch of shows there, but I was also doing this improv group on the side, and they had asked me to start teaching improv, and then I started working in the teaching aspect, working every week, teaching improv classes, helping design the shows that we were doing, performing in some of those shows. And it eventually led to this whole, like, wait a minute, why am I putting all this time into something that I'm not going to make a career? So I ended up marrying the two things that were, was my degree, strategic communications and theater. And I ended up getting a, an MFA in arts administration, which is for anyone who is confused by that term. It is all the business end of putting on a play all the theater. You can't just do theater without, you know, people running it behind the scenes. So I ended up getting an MFA in that, which eventually led directly into me working in the education departments of a few different theaters managing teaching artists, becoming a teaching artist myself, and then getting the opportunity to then move into full-time education. It all stems from this improv group. And so, yeah, we, both of us have built a career kind of out of the thing that we love to do, but wasn't necessarily our main focus in university, which, you know, is wild because I, if the it's it's wild to think about because it's not necessarily a thing that everyone has the ability or opportunity to do. Mm-hmm. And yet we've been able to do that. And so, you know, we're very blessed. We were able to take our
0: passions and mix it with the practical skills mm-hmm. that we have. Because you definitely yeah. use practical skills from your communication background. Yeah, I, I use All the psychology tricks mm-hmm. I have. What I tell people is I'm not qualified to be a therapist, right? I don't have a masters i don't have a doctorate i just have a bachelor so i know enough to be dangerous but not enough to be helpful <laughs> and i get to use that in D all the time and I, yeah. I loved my degree i wouldn't change it but at the same time college was so much more than just the degree plan just the classes that i took it was the friends that i made it was the relationships it was those stories that dnd that look look at look at us now we're, we're yeah. on the podcast and there to, are three people Watching us live, who are
1: hey, oh <laughs> hey, you three but people out there, we love you. We love you so much. And to anyone who may be listening in the future, when you're in, if you're going to college or you're in college currently, like it is what you know, part of it, but it's really who you, those relationships that you form, the, the things outside of class that you end up doing that really end up shaping who you become. Yes. Your classes are incredibly important. You should do the best you can with that. But more than that, and both of us are are living examples of it. It's who you end up associating with. Who are your friends? Who are your ride or dies in that college world? And that's how you make that life for yourself. That's how both of us were like, yeah, wait, why, why aren't we doing what we love as a career? Why shouldn't we go out there and do it? Um, it was your encouragement at the beginning. Who was like,
0: maybe I have something in this pro DM. Maybe, because mm-hmm. I didn't know if I was high quality enough to, to charge for my games. And so I had my friends from college, including you, write me reviews to just give me an idea of what I have to offer. And that was foundational. We I mean, are. Figuring out like,
1: oh, yeah, I, I'm not bad. I'm not bad at this. <laughs> and here we all are. I've said that you're a lot in this podcast, but it is kind of like you're this, this really interesting retrospective, looking back and realizing that who we were in college and what we ended up doing in college, not related to our classes, built these, these dreams and these careers for us. So college is great. Hey. Class is great, but it's not all about that. So summon much it all up. Yeah. And you're a teacher now. You have, I am a teacher. Yeah.
0: You have the great privilege and responsibility to mold young minds to train the next generation of theater kids. And how D and
1: D like, yeah, so it has been interesting because when I was in high school and I, I teach high school and junior high theater, when I was that age, D and D wasn't a thing like it, it was, but it was kind of like the nerdy thing. I had never heard of D and D until college, but because it's so much a part of pop culture now through stranger things and critical role, dimension 20, insert any property here. And there's been a D and D connection. My kids know about it. And so it, for what, for one thing, it creates a really good connection point to get to know my kids as kids before actors and before students. It's this wonderful connection point. And then from there, I'm able to then tie in the things that I'm teaching in class about characterization, about objectives, about overcoming obstacles. And it's, it's interesting because then I can always end it and go, okay. Now when you're in your next session, try these things, see what happens. Uh, give them homework to do in their D and D sessions. No, it's mostly like, Hey, you're doing that. Why <laughs> don't you try this?
0: I wouldn't, well, I was going to say, that's awesome. You should do
1: that. <laughs> <laughs> Though, I mean, a lot of it is, is connected and we, we've talked about, you know, especially with some of my students, we've talked about that connection between building a character for a performance being identical to building a character for D and D for any TTRPG, you have to know what makes that character tick in order to be believable and how their actions are going to go and building on that, you know, when you fail in, in game. You got to create a character reason for it, you know? And so what is driving that character to fail that role? What is driving that character to win that role? It's, it's been really fun to connect with my students kind of on that. It's not all that I do, but whenever I can, I bring in D and D. Yeah. What
0: other kind of games are you involved in?
1: So I am in a, in Dungeons and Dragons. That's my ride or die. Love it. I am in, I DM a campaign with a few other teachers at my school. Uh, we are all incredibly busy. So it's about every three months we get together and just go wild for a session. Uh, I am in a D and D campaign after grading. Yep. (laughs) Yep. And then (laughs) we all get to kind of let loose a little bit. I am in a Victoriana campaign that I mentioned earlier. And I am in a D and D campaign as well. So I am currently in three ongoing campaigns one is a
0: dm and that's in addition to all the plays that you're directing and let's talk about some of those
1: yeah yeah i just finished a season with my students of a, a bunch of different plays most recently we finished a production of into the woods as a side note if you follow me on tiktok or instagram I ended up buying, I ended up making a, just a really crazy purchase of a wizard staff. That's all D and D themed. And that became our main, one of our main props for into the woods. So I pull it in wherever I can. It's this very subtle thing. The kid who ended up using that prop knew exactly what was going on and just, just loved that prop as much as possible, because it's a giant D 20 on top that we then kind of just slightly covered. So you couldn't see the numbers, but you could anyone who knew they knew what was going on. And it was I this fun little Easter egg for, for audience members to, to go see. Yeah. So I, I put on a season with my students every year we're gearing up. I'm in summer break. Thank goodness. Which is one of the reasons I was actually available <laughs> to, to talk. I've been I, trying I three months busy. to find a date. We have, we <laughs> have been trying for a while by the summer is upon us. I'm taking a bit of a break. So planning for the upcoming season, getting all of that ready to go. It's been a lot of fun. It's a lot of work, but it's, it's so worth it kind of tying some of the stuff we've been talking about together. The reason I do teaching and the reason I love teaching theater is there's this incredible moment when a kid gets it, a kid steps outside their comfort zone. And they embody this character and there's something that happens in their face. And the first time I saw that was teaching improv at BYU, Hawaii, and just, just having those moments and going, oh my gosh, this is this, this connection that we've made this moment that you've stepped out of your comfort zone and you've done something incredible. Then I'm, I'm, I get to do that every day. And it's 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 incredibly fulfilling. I love that. I love that yeah. so much. And before and we wrap up, change. we gotta.
0: Indeed. Yeah, I do. I get to see it in people's eyes. Yeah, see them you them death saves.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a that's a real one. You have a different dice for that one now. I do. I do. I'll show it off here. Speaking of five, dice that we use as DNs to scare our players. He introduced yes. this one to me. And, Here it is.
0: Yep. Mm-hmm. yep. It's a black walnut case that has a skull and says, Memento Mori. This D20 is made out
1: of human bone. And I use it yes.
0: exclusively for Death Saving.
1: If you're ever playing a Dungeon Master Direct campaign with Dax and he pulls that out, you done messed up. <laughs> This has saved
0: so many people's I've rolled so many it's saved and it's killed and what? many as well, but enough yeah. about my dice. Let's talk about this die right here. Those of you who can't see it, it is, it is orange and it is gray and the lettering
1: is yeah, teal. is from the original colors of dungeon master direct actually current as well, slightly, current, yeah. slightly off. Yeah. I am a dice maker. I, that. Became part of my pandemic hobby is I became of just a hoarder of dice. And I was like, I don't have enough and I don't have money, but I can buy resin <laughs> and went a little ham, created my own molds, and I am now a part-time dice maker. I have I have a presence on TikTok and Instagram. I run a tiny little Etsy shop. Yeah. So it's just on the side. DD it erupted a love of the shiny click clock math rocks. I'm currently holding up a small portion of my collection of dice in a giant treasure chest. What's the name of your company? So, it's called Dyson Isis, like the god Dionysus, but Dyson Isis. You can find it on Instagram or TikTok. We'd love to have you come join us. I'm on a slight hiatus because of the summer vacation, but I hope to start getting contact content back up later this month in July. So that is some fun stuff coming down the pipeline. Excellent. Yeah.
0: One last thing I want to ask you about. When's the Over. next time we're going to get to do something awesome together? It's our next know. big creative project, Cameron. I don't because know. We got to do
1: this. We got to plan this. We got to do this. I mean... I don't know about y'all, to anyone listening or watching, but if you want to see Dax in action, maybe an actual play? I don't know. We'll
0: see. I've done one. Maybe. When when you're coming back up to Utah, we'll find out. Oh, yeah. Something (laughs) fun to do. There's so many (laughs) things in the pipeline that I can't can't talk about in the podcast. Hopefully
1: they all work out.
0: And hopefully your dreams are fulfilled as well. You get to yeah. build new minds, bring more people into the theater, teach
1: and bring more and people
0: D&D. into D and D. Yes. Yeah. Send them my way. <laughs> right. Any last things you want to say to our adoring
1: three fans? One. Hey, welcome again. We're so happy. that three of you are here. I think kind of the message I'd love to leave is you, you can go far on what you know and what you, what you study, but it's the relationships that you make along the way that shape you and that will shape your future. You know, exactly. we're, we're the examples of that. Thank you so find much, Emron. Yeah. It, to put in D&D terms, find your adventuring party. Yes. Find your party and
0: go on an adventure.
1: Yeah. Bye everyone.